Somebody's making a noise. Is that you again, Steve? Me. Could be me. I've got an itchy head. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be one of those, isn't it? Why have you got an itchy head? I'm not too sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's going to be one of those podcasts. Isn't it? Right. The cutting technological edge. Yeah, let's really get started. Up well. <laughs> Welcome to the AV Forums podcast for Wednesday the 15th of July 2015 and joining me on this edition are assistant editor Steve Withers. Tony Stark was able to build this in a cave with a box of scraps. News editor Mark Hodgkinson. Next time baby. And audio reviewer Ed Sally. Absolutely ridiculous. I don't paint. Uh, welcome along to the podcast for another week and uh, as you can tell the heat is probably getting to us. Strap yourselves in for the next hour of uh, Mayhem. Let's start with competitions and on Blu-ray you can win heat. It, uh, it finishes on the 22nd of July, so you need to be quick on that one. If you're a bit of an actioner, like Ed, and uh, you like to go mountain biking up hills and, and, and jumping off buildings and all the rest of it, and we've got an EE action cam uh, from Scan. The finish date for that is August the 3rd. And going up by the time that this podcast goes live, I don't know have the closing date on it just yet, but you can check on the website. It's Catch Me If You Can on Blu-ray. So that's the competitions. Let's move on to hardware. And following up on uh, our visit to Hollywood last week, it just so happens that we also had the 55-inch uh, CX802, Stephen, for review. Uh, Mark, you've already done the 50-inch. So now that we've seen the top-line TV for this year, uh, generally, what's our thoughts, Mark? I'm presuming Steve echoed mine. I've only scanned through the review, <laughs> to be quite honest. But uh, yeah, it's a, it's a match for pretty much anything out there. Perhaps maybe uh, the... JS9500 from Samsung's a bit better, and the OLED on its when it's doing its you know with a really good source is is a bit better. But yeah, it's a, it's a cracking TV um, that I found very little fault with. To be honest, the dimming system not too good, but everything else was pretty much spot on. Okay, so you said dimming system not too good, but you're an edge lit uh, version, weren't you? Yeah, with less zones than the 55. So right. how many zones were there on the dim on your version then? 18. That was 18 on the 55 as well. Oh, that's not what they told me. They told me it was 36. No, it's uh, nine times two. I can do Nine times two. I can it's do obvious, <laughs> Yeah. It's got a direct LED backlight as opposed to the 50-inch. So the 55 and 65 both have direct LED backlights, which means you get a very nice, even backlight. That, that was very good. good that wasn't an there. issue with the 50 at all. No, I'm not saying it was. Uniformity was superb. Yeah. Also, though, and this is something that you do often get with direct LED backlights, there was no um, banding. You know, sometimes when you've got a direct LED backlight, you can see the LEDs through yeah. the panel, particularly when there's uh, camera pans. That wasn't the case with the CXO2, which, again, is really good. The limited number of zooming domes is um, is unfortunate. Now, there's a good reason for that. Simply, they're trying to get the price down. Um, last but, year... But, Steve, I'm going to pull you up. Just what you were talking about there, uniformity. Maybe less zones, it's easier for them to keep the uniformity perfect. Could be. Could be. I mean, the reason that there are less zones is because um, one of the criticisms aimed at the AX902 last year, um, there were two criticisms predominantly. One was that it was very expensive, and the other one was that it used an IPS panel. Well, this year they're using a VA panel on all their UK TVs, and that includes a CX802, so good for uh, Panasonic doing that. And they're trying to hit a specific price point. So we're currently, I believe, uh, with a £200 cashback, you can get the 55-inch CX802 for about 2000 quid, which is pretty competitive for uh, a top-of-the-range you know, Ultra HD 4K TV, and that puts it in the same price point as the JS8500 that you reviewed, Mark. Yeah. Um, so they're trying to hit a price point, which is why they've got less dimming zones. 
Um, but they're trying to improve on certain areas. So VA panel, really good native blacks, uh, staggeringly good color accuracy. But you're absolutely right, Mark. The local dimming um, system isn't as good as it is on the Samsung, certainly. No, I, I switched it off in the end. The blacks were decent enough and the uniformity was good enough that I didn't really think it was that necessary. That's true. You could you could actually do that, which is unusual to say that for an LTE TV. That gives you an idea of how good the blacks actually were. Um, two things, though, that did... Uh, well, three things, really. One um, that's good is it does support HDR, as does, I believe, the 50-inch uh, the, uh, version. So that's good. Um, very bright TV. I was measuring it over 400 and something, 420, 420, 230 um, on a full screen. So it can definitely go bright. That doesn't mean to say you're going to be looking at a screen that bright, but what it means is it can hit um, targets, um, HDR targets for, for brightness within in, in highlights. If you watch the video that Phil's put up, um, the guy from Techno explains that in a bit more detail. So that's good. What's not so good is that the color space was actually less than you measured, the 50 inch app. They're yeah, talking about it being 90%. It looked a lot more like about 80% to me. So that was a surprise. Um, However, you got to add the caveat here that you're talking about DCI in terms of Rec. 709 is absolutely Oh, no, but spot on. And 99% I mean, of things that people are going to be watching. This is an ultra 4K TV, and we're talking about going to a new set of standards. So HDR, good. Tick that box. Full DCI, no. I mean, no, not any, no TV at the moment can actually get to full DCI anyway, so it's not a major issue, really. Yeah, what it, does surprise me is that using an 8-bit panel, again, that was a price issue. Yeah, but then the processor that they're using to do most of the calculations is a 12-bit processor, isn't it? 10-bit. It's a 10-bit. So yeah. even so, you know, it's, yeah, no, it's I mean, doing I a processor, um, so I, I wouldn't have put too much on the 8-bit panel because I don't think you saw any consequence of that at all, No, did no you? not at all, no. I mean, uh, like I said, uh, in terms of its colour performance, it was absolutely stellar. Yeah, I, I loved it. I think it was a really good TV. Mm. Um, nicely designed. Quite like the new um, smart TV platform. It's very simple but easy to use and intuitive. That's good. It works. Got Well, Freeview, um, Freeview Play isn't um, working just yet. But, um, yeah, otherwise it works, which is good. Um, it, it will have everything you want there once Freeview Play is working. You'll have all the catch services. You'll have you know, Netflix and Amazon, et cetera. So in that sense, it does everything I want it to do. And it's easy and simple to use, which is great. I like the design's attractive. Um, I like the new remote control. It's, it's a lovely TV. And like I said, it's hitting a really nice, attractive price point at just about two grand. So uh, it's a strong contender and worthy of a high, um, high, highly um, recommended badge. Um, okay, so difficult question time. If it was your money, Mark, would you be buying a Samsung or a Panasonic? Oh, I don't know. Um, well, I'm comparing the 8500 against the 802. Well, it's got to be price, the same price. Yeah, like so that. it would be the 8500 against that. Mm. <laughs> 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 they're very close. They're very well matched. They're very well matched. I couldn't really pick them apart. Um, I, I guess curve against curve against not curve really. That, that's that's what I was going to say. Unless you absolutely hate the curve, yeah. In which case, uh, it'd have um, to be the pants. I'm, I'm more of a flat man, so, <laughs> <laughs> so I would probably plump Panny, save myself a few pop. Right, so you've, you've gone full circle then. <laughs> yeah, very decisive. Uh, Steve. Uh, well, I haven't seen the A500, so um, I didn't do the review. You could probably imagine it. But if it's, it, I guess it's similar to the 9000. Very similar. Yeah, I guess it would, eventually it would come down to curve or not curve. I do like the future-proofing in the, um, in the uh, Samsung. I like the fact they're using 10 uh, The H500 isn't, isn't as future-proof, though. It's only, got the it mini, it's only the mini one connect box. It's just, a, it's just a connection box. There's no upgrade path with that. So you'd have to, you'd have to shell out 300 for the, for the um, full one connect. So you could add that if you wanted to. I, th I believe so. That adds to the price, obviously. 
Yeah, um, no, no, I mean, uh, I do like the local dimming, I have to say, on, on the Samsung TVs. I think it is very effective. Uh, I think you said that the 8500 wasn't quite as good as the 9. It wasn't bad, or, despite the fact that it's <laughs> very sort of weak picking me up on my review and I've had to go through all the little scenes where I've, where I've, I've, I've mentioned things. But yeah, uh, it, it was it's better than the Panasonic considerably. I could leave it on quite happily. It's just the odd time you'd see a little flash. Um, so it's definitely not as good as the 9000, 9500. In, in terms of the dimming. Um, but it, it was good enough that you could leave it on low. Right, I'm totally confused. So who's going for what you? <laughs> <laughs> Nobody's going for anything. We're all waiting for a good OLED. Ed, what are you buying? Um, I'm, I'm, I'm listening to this. I'm going, I'm going to leave. I'm going to sit this one out for a little bit longer. You know? <laughs> There's some, some 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 cracking things being released on re- released on in, in 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 sort of music and two channel terms, <laughs> and that's my shopping list sorted for now. I'm uh, going to stick with the GT60 until such time as this all starts to sort of come out in the wash. <laughs> that's pretty wise. Yeah. Um, well, I'm I'm sitting on the fence. I think that's yeah. the best advice, yeah. really. I mean, if you, if you absolutely need to buy a TV, obviously go and buy a TV. But if you're not in any rush. It would make sense to wait a little bit because there is quite a lot of change going on at the moment, and there's new stuff coming down the pipeline. And um, yeah, I, I can, I would, I would personally, you know, if it was my money, I would definitely wait. Well, there's no HDR standard yet, is there? That's the, that's that's, the thing. Uh, that's, Steve, what, that's what puts me off. Steve, if you had two grand in your pocket, it'd be blowing in half an hour. Yeah, probably not on a TV though. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would say, um, I mean, it's still what it boils down to. I mean, obviously, the the, the nature of how. Um, 4k content is making it to us is is working out differently to how how hd content started started to sort of disseminate to the public but there's still simply put not enough content available um for me to want to make the jump yet and i i I read a number of people and they make a very valid point that allows them to do um 3d with 1080p for both bits which that makes perfect sense if you like that sort of thing i don't so it's still a case that even even if the, the, the standards and the technology are down pat, there's still not a busting lot to actually use on your shiny or singing or dancing television at the moment. Yeah. So that's another consideration, really. Well, it's a, it's a good thing that we're not waiting on Rec 2020. <laughs> Otherwise, we'd be here for the next 10 years. Uh, I think that's pretty clear. And you did bring it up in your little summary there, Steve, that uh, none of the TVs that have been measured so far this year can even hit DCI, and that's the specifications that everyone is working to at the minute in terms of colour space, and likely to for the next 10 years anyway. So um, we've still got some way to go to get up to the present-day cinema standards. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, I mean, Ed makes a very valid point, and I think I said it in the review, which is the majority of the content you'll be watching on your new Ultra HD 4K TV for the next five years will be mostly be high definition using Rec 709 and D65, etc. So if a TV can hit that perfectly, and that's certainly the case of the CX802, then uh, I think that's more of a priority. Because there is just, I mean, look at me, I'm not going to be getting, unless we get uh, 4K Blu-ray pretty soon, I'm a bit stuffed as far as 4K content goes. Right, so talking about streaming, streaming quality, and um, having the bandwidth to do it, Mark, a lot of these little new boxes coming around, Android boxes and similar, like the Roku box and so on, and you've been doing some reviews of uh, Minix and and so on. Tell us about these little boxes, why they're being so popular at the moment, and what you can do with them. The reason I believe they are so popular is the way they're marketed on the likes of eBay and Amazon. So if you go into eBay, tick in Android box, uh, they'll come up, and virtually every advert goes, free movies, free sports, free Sky, uh 50 quid you know 
no no contracts, all this kind of stuff. So they're marketed very much that it's it's an access to a whole world of free entertainment, which is possible. I have to say, you can get anything you want for free, pretty much. Uh, even the you know Jurassic Parks, but there's probably a 720p copy on there on the on the interwebs right now. There um, is actually. I was at my parents, and there was a copy of Jurassic World on some streaming service they've got. Yeah, um, it was a camcorder in a cinema jobby. I have to say, right? But I mean, I was uh, surprised to see that there. Yeah, it's, it's, well, it's inevitable when doing these um, streaming box reviews, but the, the Android ones and the, uh, anything that runs XBMC, Kodi, um, you have to have a quick look at what's at what's available. Um, and yeah, it, there is. If you want, if you want, if your morals are low and and you're not that bothered about the best in quality, which a lot of people aren't. 1080p, 720p is enough for, for most people. I mean, I'm not saying low bit rate, 1080p. Um, then, yeah, uh, this is why people are buying them, I think, uh, which is a bit of a shame because for me, I've run it, I've, my Kodi setup is pretty much totally legit. So, uh, in fact, it's totally legit. I can run my, I can run iPlayer, uh, Netflix, Now TV, Amazon Instant, all through one interface where I can see my watch lists all in one, on one page which is kind of the idea like I can run my Tidal out of it I can run my Spotify out of it I can access my local media I can do pretty much exactly what I want uh, it's a very customizable system I'm talking specifically with Cody here and that is the reason okay combined. so so let's just rewind at that point then Mark um, what is Cody for those that don't know it's an open source media software. Uh, it's been around since the original Xbox which which was why it was called XBMC in the, in the first place but since the latest Xboxes can't run it. They, they changed the name, and, and I think they've also to disassociate themselves from from all the piracy claims. The code, the Cody Foundation, also the XBMC Foundation, are pretty much hot on non-pirated uh, material. And if, if you go to their official forum, they're, they're pretty much clamping down on anyone. Well, totally clamping down on anyone mentioning the so-called unofficial add-ons. Um, so um, yeah, there are probably people listening who know what I'm talking about. So you've got something called, there are various ones, but there's, there's one in particular called Genesis, um, which is an add-on. You stick on into Kodi, and it gives you access to all the latest movies, all the latest TV shows, generally in pretty high quality, and it's presented beautifully. I mean, they're better than the Netflix interface. You can customise it as you want. You get fan art, cover, cover art. You get, it scrapes TVDB, it scrapes IMDB. Uh, you can watch trailers, and it's, the service is absolutely blooming amazing, really. Um, but so it's a, it's an incredibly versatile piece of software. People, it's it's totally open source. So people, there's an um, well, actually no, there's one on Plex, but there's uh, AV forums. You could we could easily write an add-on for AV forums where we could pull in the podcasts, pull in the videos. Um, you can. Uh, anything, virtually anything you can think of for your media needs, it can be done through Kodi. Uh, it's a bit of a hobbyist thing, um, so which is why a lot of these boxes are, sell, are sold as so-called fully loaded. Um, that's with all the dodgy add-ons on. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm a complete convert to it, to be to be honest. Um, but I'll use it for legitimate means, and but I'm probably in the tiny minority, to be quite honest. I've been hanging hanging around sort of Facebook groups and doing a bit of undercover work, um, <laughs> as it were. <laughs> uh, yeah, there is some. Yeah, there are some right characters but um yeah it's i think that's the reason they are becoming popular but it's which is a bit of a shame because you could game on you can game on these boxes i mean i'm running a windows one which is exactly the same form factor to the android box it's just a little roku size box 
Um, it runs Windows 8.1, runs it really nicely. I've just basically got Kodi on there. And I've got it customized to look like the Fire TV UI. So it's very pretty, very usable. You could use it all with remote control. They're going to be the future for a lot of people, I think. We see the the problem for me, I don't know if the other guys are, are like this, but to me it sounds like there's an awful lot of hard work involved. Yeah, but then you can buy these boxes all done for you. You could go onto eBay and it'll say fully loaded and or get a friend to set it up or, or whatever. Uh, knowledge will spread quite rapidly. It's not particularly difficult. But Mark, I mean, where's it, it streaming from? Um, where's various, it content in? From? Various uh, file hosting sites. Right, because that's basically what my parents have got in Spain. They're, they live in the World West. Oh, they're all at Spain. it in Spain. Jesus. Yeah, they've got this thing called Airbox. It's crap because basically it's buffering constantly. And it's not just because their internet connection is not very good. It isn't great, I have to say, but it would be enough for something like Netflix to handle it. I'm just thinking that it's because it's going to all these third-party sources where they're, you know, and file sharing, they, yes, you can get access to just about anything you want for nothing, but... Um, Half the time, the quality is not great, or 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 it buffers and doesn't play very well. For them, at least, that's their experience. It's been pretty ropey. Okay. Aside from the illegality of the whole okay, thing, well, we really don't approve of that. Yeah. Well, okay. For research purposes, I have checked it out, and <laughs> no, it's a difficult. It's a difficult. You put me in a bit of a spot here. Yeah, I've checked it out. Look, I, I pay for Netflix. I pay for Amazon. I pay for Spotify. I pay for Tidal. I haven't paid for title, I should think it was. Yes, you are. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, what do I, I pay Excel Virgin Media Package. I paid a shitload of money out each month on my, on my, on my services. So I thought, I'll check these out. And to be honest, I, I've not had any problems with it. Obviously, just for research purposes, you're going to send me all this information so <laughs> I can for, research it myself. Just for research. <laughs> Mark can send you a box as well. There's perfectly legitimate uses for it. Perfectly legitimate uses for it. And have, <laughs> to have all your media in one interface, all your music, all your TV, all your local stuff, is 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 quite that is appealing. Yeah, yeah, it is appealing. Very but, appealing. But um, through Cody, can you can you still get iPlayer in HD and and Netflix? Yeah, in yeah, HD? Thought, yeah, yeah. iPlay is brilliant. iPlay is better than any app of you know, better than the Fire TV, better than Roku. It's it's the full off the web off the. Um, web source so it's played at 50 hertz it's up to 1080 in quality no it's it's i play brilliant and netflix and stuff is that still netflix full hd yeah it doesn't do adaptive adaptive bitrate streaming but since my collection's so good i don't you know i don't need it yeah, yeah, yeah full yeah. hd rub, netflix rub full hd i mean Ooh. amazon's amazon's a revelation because it's it plays at most of the contents 1080p 24 at 10 megabits a second quality is fantastic so yeah it's, it's actually the best way to get amazon instant other than the the Ultra HD content, best way to get iPlayer, best way to get YouTube through Android. Yeah, it's pretty pretty impressive. And obviously, all of this information is going to find its way into an article, which is going to be on the homepage by the end of this week. Yep. And so we'll have Mark arrested by Well, I mean, let, let's you know, all joking aside and all the rest, it, let's make it absolutely clear here that that we do not do not condone in any way. Uh, the pirating of content or uh, going out and seeking pirated content. Um, I know personally all of us here pay for our content and uh, that's the way it should be um, because people work hard to make it. So why not, you know... Well, it could kill, you know, it could kill off, I mean, TV. It, it, it's not, it's like, it, as these things spread and as the word gets around, then, you know, it's, it's going to start hitting companies in the pocket. Netflix basically say their main competitor is torrent sites. Uh, they're well aware of it. And that's, that's how they decide on... They, 
they'll investigate they'll, if they're launching in a new area. They'll look at the uh, the torrenting figures uh, that which are out there, uh, and and they'll pick the stuff that's been torrented the most and try and stick it on their platform that platform locally. Did did HBO not turn around and say that they with Game of Thrones that they realise it's pirated and and they're not going to do anything about it because actually it gets word of mouth out there and people actually then pay for the service to watch it properly. Yeah, yeah, they did say that. In fact, they took it as a compliment. I think they got quite a lot of stick for it, but it's about this time last year. I think it was uh, season three. Um, they, yeah, they were, that's basically what they came out and said. And said actually, they seem quite proud Tor- of it. Yeah, they were quite proud of it. And Torrenton's actually doing them a service. I, I, I kind of disagree. I think it'll it'll reach a tipping point where it isn't. Um, but it didn't work yeah. out too well for the music industry, did it? Having all this free content knocking around. Well, well, no. Do you think it's a generational thing? The, the free content and and uh, yeah, I don't think people think it's wrong. I, I think uh, no, you're right. A whole generation of people, for instance, have grown up in the internet age, and I don't think they've ever paid for any music in their lives. And it's just it's just what everyone does. So yeah, yeah. I know people in their twenties who you know don't think movies, TV, music should be you just have to pay for it, and they don't. They don't pay for any of it. No. I don't agree with that. I think that's completely well, that's wrong. A, but... Well, that's only ever going to end up one way, isn't it? So uh, <laughs> that's less movies, or less good yep. movies, and less TV. Less and... content, less quality content. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yep. So um, staying with streaming, but we're going to get rid of the video aspect and look at the audio side um, because someone here has been stupid enough to pay for Apple Music. No, I haven't oh, paid for it. It's three months free from. trial. Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah. I mean, Ed would have done the free trial, but he wrote to me and said, can you do it, Steve? Because there's no way I'm ever putting iTunes back on my computer again. <laughs> Good man, Ed. Good man. It's nice to see that, Ed, you're being balanced and, and fair there. When... <laughs> I accept that for people who use OSX, iTunes is, is tolerably awful. Um, uh, there is no category of Windows machine. I mean, fundamentally, you could install it on HAL and it still wouldn't bloody work properly. <laughs> So, um, for the moment, as Apple Music seems to depend on iTunes being installed, I'm, I'm a non-starter. Uh, I, I, I'm sorry, this computer works perfectly well, and I'm not going to jeopardise that by putting iTunes on it. It's a, it's, it's not, it, it, it's a software that I have no, no, no requirement for. I don't believe is very good. Better alternatives exist, and since Apple devices now fundamentally update, download, and and do stuff completely independent of of tethering it uh, it strikes me as i mean i can see why apple have done it but it's I, there's there's no no way that i'm going to install it on this computer so i'm interested to see here how steve's got on okay well i've got a mac and i do use itunes and i agree with ed that it's not very good but it's largely a degree of apathy and laziness on my part i can't bother to change something else uh so yes i did do the three month free trial for apple music and i have to say i really like it um one thing I will say is it, it does not tell you at what um, you know what was you know, the streaming what bandwidth what what um, resolution you're streaming at two fifty six kbps AAC doesn't actually say when you look through the info but you know press info it's, it's exactly the same, same as an iTunes download although the, right. they are updating it so you will be able to see that it is two fifty six thanks <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's um I I mean I use spotify before uh, and i've used tidal and i do really like tidal because it sounds great but uh, it is very convenient if you are an itunes user like me it is apple music is really convenient because it's there and uh, obviously it goes through your entire library and starts recommending stuff to you 
um, based upon your, your what kind of music you like, which again for me is really useful. So I've found it to be quite good. I've been using it quite a bit actually. Um, you know, it seems to have just about everything you can possibly think of on there. Um, and yeah, it, as as a streaming service for listening to music in the background, it's been great. I mean, okay, okay. I don't think, as you said, as you just said, quality wise, it's probably not going to stand up to other services like Tidal. But um, but in terms of convenience for uh, iTunes users and Apple fanboys, it, it probably works really well. What's the mobile app like? I haven't really tried the mobile app yet because I don't use my mobile phone for listening to music. I do it all from my Mac. So that's where I've been doing it from. Fair enough. Uh, I suppose the $64,000 question is at the end like of your three-month free trial, would you be prepared to actually spend out on what they're asking for? Probably not, but not necessarily because I don't like the service, more because I'm too mean to pay for it. And I always end up listening to the same five songs anyway. He can speak to Mark and get pirated anyway. Yeah, don't worry, I'll, I'll hook you up. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I mean, I've got like you know ten thousand songs on my hard drive, and I, I only listen to about half of those. So maybe I should like, listen to what I've already owned before I start. <laughs> but it is handy. If, if what it is handy for, any of these services is handy for. Is if a new album comes out, you think, oh, I'll, I'll give that a listen and see what I think about it, and then maybe buy it later or not. Yeah, it is. It, it that's what I, I've I've long termed that the Babylon Zoo effect in so much <laughs> as it allows you to um, it allows you to determine before you spend out your hard earned uh, if something is actually and with vinyl, new vinyl especially being rather pricey, that is a, an absolutely invaluable service. Yeah. And it is of course for li- listeners of a younger disposition that's named for a track the most misleading song of all time <laughs> that appeared in a Levi's commercial and is pretty damn amazing for at least the first 35 seconds as used in the Levi commercial and then just disintegrates into <laughs> absolute chat. Yeah, well, you see, I, I remember that whole controversy first time around, Ed, you know, when it when it came out, yeah. when that advert came out, and then it came in. And the first time I heard that, and like you say, for the first few seconds, it follows the advert and then it, like, slows down. Yeah. Completely yes. slows down and becomes a different song altogether. And you think, yeah, absolutely. I, uh, I quite like Babylon Zoo. I've got the first, there are only two albums, I believe. Yeah, uh, right. So you like have a background listening and and so on, Stephen. Um, but um, one of the the highlights I certainly think of Tidal uh, and I suppose Spotify are starting to do it now is the curated stuff, uh, like the curated playlists. And um, you can do all that. You can create playlists, playlists, and they, and they do recommend songs and do you have playlists you can try and recommendations. Yeah, it's, it's 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 pretty. Uh, yeah, it it looks very similar in that sense. Because that's one thing I love about Tidal is I found so because you know when I gave up DJing in 1993 I uh, basically stopped listening <laughs> to to what was popular and uh, apart from a couple of bands that I've always followed through their careers like the Manic Street Preachers for example um, everything else is just a noise to me <laughs> or or I wouldn't know good music if it came and hit me across the head but but I've been getting back into music in a big way with Tidal because it's just opened up so many. Uh, possibilities and paths and created lists that I would never think of listening to things and then you listen to it and you're, that's really good and you've got the link to the album so you just click the link and you go yeah. and listen no, to the album that's, and- that's where it really comes into it and that's exactly what I've been doing for example I've got um, I've got one Leonard Cohen album The Future which I really like and I heard I've been watching True Detective um, season 2 and the opening credits are done to a, a song called Nevermind by, by Leonard Cohen which I really like as well so I've been listening to a lot of Leonard Cohen um, through through Apple Music recently, um, just because it's it's all there. So you know, I could dip, dip into his latest album or some of his older stuff. It's great. 
So in that sense, for, if, I think for bands where you maybe have a best of album and want to explore their work more, really useful way of finding out whether that you, you really want to commit to actually getting involved with this band in a big way or whether you just want to actually... Well, the other, area really where they, like. they, the other area where it truly excels is if you like X, now have a look at Y and Z. Mm. Um, and I will say, obviously having used a variety of the streaming services, I will say this is that's one area where Spotify still has the edge. Their related artists column is it's very clever because it starts as very close match and then just moves progressively into sort of related but not identical and the number of artists i've discovered over the years via that that sort of process has been extremely high and extremely expensive because i then go out and buy stuff. <laughs> yeah. but um but that that's exceptionally well done um it's interesting this morning i sent a link to steve because um Whilst there's been actually a fair amount of positivity uh, surrounding Apple Music, I mean, there's there's feedback from various people that some people find the interface a bit clunky, so on and so forth. But at, at the same time, uh, it would appear that um, Spotify has been having uh, its, its sort of best period ever in exactly the same time period, um, which is a peculiarity. It seems to suggest that other streaming services are benefiting from the awareness of created through apple music which is a bit of a peculiarity um it also then i mean the article we can i can always link to it in, in the threat in the podcast so if anyone is interested um goes on to ask um a very pertinent question apple when they announced apple music believe that their customer base is going from going to be from people who did not previously subscribe to a service which is fair enough except there does seem to be more than a little evidence that it's going to be services cannibalizing each other. It's there will be new arrivals, but nothing like as many as, as, as might might have first been assumed. And that there's a finite number of people that want to use these services and it's now going to be in between them to fight it out. I think it'll end up Spotify versus Apple and Tidal might die. I think Tidal has to work out what it wants to do and what it wants to be and how it wants to market that. Um, and and essentially, it has to stop mass market competition. It's completely. That I don't. That there, as far as I can work out. I mean, don't get me wrong. They have improved their desktop app, but you can now pay ten pounds a month for the compressed service, and I just don't see the point. If you're going for that, you might. If you're going for a compressed service, you might as well go for the one that works on the most things with the largest library, and that's Spotify. Yeah. Equally, as I say, on, on occasions though, I have been listening to Tidal, and I've listened to it back to back with the same album lovingly ripped from physical media here and i i wouldn't stake money on being able to tell the difference and that is something of an achievement there was one site i won't i won't bring it up who it was but they did uh allegedly did blind testing between spotify apple and Tidal, and none of them were able to pick pick up the better quality on Tidal. it's interesting because i've also done a blind test with with three three other listeners of six streaming services um and i think it does come down to hardware um because with a, a reasonably transparent pair of speakers and so on and so forth tidal and the other lost the service cobuzz did pull out a small o- over the course of the, the listening program did pull out a small advantage not not massive um but it is there but equally would i then want to try and make the same assumptions through a pair of you know, fifteen twenty pound earphones, not so much. Yeah, that would that would be something yeah, I'd, and, I'd, and I wouldn't want to stake any claims on. And to be fair, the author of this other piece that that I quickly scan read, um, they did say at the bottom it, it would come down to 
levels of kit used. Yeah. So even they highlighted that fact. So. I would like to see Apple doing more lossless stuff, though, generally. And not just on Apple Music, but I think lossless and high-res audios. They, they do seem to be just predominantly just still doing lower-resolution stuff. And and nice to that. that would be my one complaint, uh, really, is, is the lack of any um, high-resolution support. Or even lost the support, for that matter. Just to wrap this one up, because I think we've done it to death now. So, Steve, out of out of all the services that you've now tried, which one are you likely to spend your money on? <laughs> Knowing me, it'll probably end up being Apple by default. <laughs> about a three-month period is quite a long time yeah. to forget yeah, about I'll have subscription. About, in three months, I'll have completely forgotten about it. And all my other stuff that's Apple-related will just get paid out through iTunes and they won't even notice. So <laughs> it'll probably end up being the case. I think they're um, banking on a lot of that. I like the quality on Tidal, that, that is certainly true. But as Ed said, it needs to find a bit more focus, I think. Um, it, needs, but, it needs to have the courage of conviction. Go, screw you. Yeah, we are elitist. We cost more because you know, we, <laughs> we, offer, we offer something that our, our competitors don't. Yeah, and I think people and, would and pay, so, pay the money for that. I think, I think there's enough people out there who would, you know, because you just have to look at, like, like your, your end of the market, Ed, when you look at headphones, there are mm. people spending decent amounts of money on headphones nowadays, whereas in yes. the past they'd have been happy with 50, 60 quid. They're now paying a couple of hundred to a few yes. hundred pounds for uh, for headphones. So they obviously there, there is a want for quality now. Yes, and they just need to just unabashedly pursue that market. So if it was you, Ed, I'm assuming that Apple's just a no-go. For as long as they won't let me just run it as a web web browser app, or something like that. It's it's a non-starter, um, and I don't. As I say, I it doesn't offer. The radio station is of no interest to me. It's got idiots talking. I don't care where they found the idiots. They're still idiots. I don't. You know, if I if I listen to the radio, I listen to listen to it because it's people talking. If I'm listening to music radio, that just they just need to shut up and get out of the way. Radio so, two and Radio four, isn't it? Uh, I don't listen to Radio two. I listen to Radio four. Um, you do realise that you're on a podcast which is four guys just nattering on. Yeah, as I say, as I say, I listen to Radio Four, which is the same thing, only a slightly slicker and with you know less coffee. <laughs> um, so, uh, I, as I say, for me, uh, it's a weird one. I maintain subscriptions to Tidal and Spotify, um, and I suppose if I had to shrink down to one, it would probably still be Spotify, simply because it works across so many different platforms and it's a useful a useful part of. The review testing process because so many products support it but i enjoy having both but there's no no need for me to add apple music to, to the list what's at the cinema steve uh ted 2 now i'm, I'm going to say that i really quite enjoyed ted i, I thought it was it. um i loved it it yeah, it was really funny. It was basically it, it had a potty mouth but a big heart. It was um, it was a film, you know, that I thought was well scripted. Um, Ted himself was well done, but he wasn't the main character. It really was about a relationship between uh, Mark Wilber's character and Mila Kunis's character, and Mark Wilber's character basically growing up. That was the plot, and Ted was a sort of supporting character within that. But there were some great jokes. It was very funny, and it had genuine heart. Much the same way as the In Betweens movie did, I think. Um, in much the same way as there's a second in between the movie because the first one made a ton uh -oh. of money, uh -oh. so did Ted. And unfortunately, the sequel to Ted, Ted 2, falls into the same bracket as the sequel to In Between the Movie. It basically trashes all the good work and goodwill that was accumulated in the first film and kind of regresses and becomes just a lot of, uh, you know, um, dirty gags and, and swearing. Yeah, it, it regresses, basically. So, I mean, okay, I know that they couldn't have Camila Kunis in the film because she was having a baby at the time. 
But even so, you know, it starts off with them divorced, you know, so that negates the whole of the first film uh, for me and therefore is really annoying. And basically the character of Mark Wahlberg has completely regressed. He's just hanging around, getting stoned and talking with his teddy bear. And how old is is Wahlberg supposed to be in in the second movie? Because he was, what, he's in the 30s? He was in his 30s in the first film, so now he's in his late 30s and he's still doing the same job. Although somehow living in the same apartment, even though it was Kunis who character who was paying for it because she had a good job. Um, doing nothing, hanging around, and and also has a relationship then with Amanda Seyfried, who who is in her mid twenties and therefore way too young for him. And they, not that she's playing older, because she says in the film I'm twenty six. So that didn't work either. It just um, if you read Sharina's review, she's absolutely spot on, which is his character. There's no character development for him at all. Basically, the whole plot of the second film is about um, Ted trying to prove he's a person in order to adopt a baby with his with his wife. And yeah, there's, the whole tone of it goes from being uh, covering serious subjects like you know um, emancipation and being treated as a person and human rights. Um, and also, um, there's a bit where they have a big row between him and his wife. That's you know really done like a scene out of Raging Bull almost. You know, it seems out of place in a comedy, particularly when one of the characters are arguing is a teddy bear. Um, there's too much of Ted, so he stops. You know, he becomes the main character in the film. And it's just eventually becomes a string of, you know, um, knob gags and swearing. And that's funny for a bit, but it gets draining over the course of an entire movie. There's a, there are podcasts. <laughs> yeah, just like this podcast. Um, well, we're a lot shorter, though. That's a good thing for us. Um, yeah, yeah, speak it, yourself, there are, tall boy. <laughs> there are uh, some very funny moments in the film. I will say that. There's some moments where I did laugh out loud, but not enough to justify the entire movie. Um, yeah, it exists because Ted was successful. And sadly, it doesn't have a story. To, well, to well, Ted, Ted was successful, and a million ways to die in the West was a disaster. So yeah, yes. <laughs> it was the only route he had, really, wasn't it? Yeah, I know, but he really shouldn't try, try to do something different. I mean, do you know what? To be honest, Ted Two feels more than any of his other work like a film version of Family Guy, because you, there's whole sequences that I'm sure I've seen gag those gags in Family Guy before. Um, it's, it was, the bits, the best thing in it is the opening credits, which is a big song and dance number with Ted. Uh, again, very Family Guy. Um, done, you know, with a big, huge Busby, Busby Berkeley sequence that was really well done. We see Mac- but Mac- the rest Fallon, of the film doesn't have that kind of imagination. Yeah, McFarlane, that, that is McFarlane, the big numbers, the big singing numbers, the, the old Hollywood. He has got a good voice. Oh, yeah, totally. I mean, yeah, he's got a superb voice. Um, I'm sure he's doing something again with the problems this year. Um, he did it last year with, with the, did, uh, I think it was the MGM classics, and he sang a few of them and did, he dropped the odd voice in here and there. But, but actually, you know, he, he's a, Really good singer. Yeah, as is his sister as well. Um, um, on a completely other random note, well, before I forget, can I just relay a, a, a fact I discovered yesterday, and I think it's too good not to share with with the with the rest of the podcast. Um, Amanda Seyfried is a, a rabid, really enthusiastic Anglophile, um, and as a result of that, and no word of a lie, she has the word "minge" tattooed on her foot. <laughs> 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 the word minge. Yeah, surely that's the wrong place. Anyway. Well, <laughs> be that as it may. Why? I don't know. She I, just does. She's actually one of the best things in Ted Two, and there's some really, really funny jokes about when they keep referring to her as Gollum, which was quite good because <laughs> um, she's got massive eyes, and, and that really did work well. Um, 
there's loads of film references in it. Actually, it's chock full of film references, some of which work really well, some of which not so well. Um, a lovely, a, a lovely sequence. Do, do the mess around bit from Planes, Trains, Automobiles, which is really good. Uh, there's a whole Jurassic Park sequence, which is quite funny. Um, there's a nice little Breakfast Club mon- montage sequence, which is also really good. Uh, there, there are bits that are funny, but the thing is, it, there's not enough of a story to hold it all together. Um, and you don't, and you just kind of feel like, you know, Mark Wilber's character, you know, he's just regressed completely to being, you know, lazy stone and doing nothing. And the same with Ted. And, and, and unfortunately, having built, they just, it's a bit like the beginning of Aliens 3, Alien 3, where basically they negate the whole of Aliens immediately. And that just pisses you off for the rest of the film. Yeah. I, I watched Ted again the other night. It was on. So did uh, I. I watched TV. it over the weekend. Yeah. Um, and, and you forget. I, what a, a cracking little movie that is! I mean, it, a lot of people didn't really like it because I don't think they really got McFarlane's sense of humour and, and the talking bear t- t- side of things. You know, the the old uh, uh, suspension of disbelief because they kind of just brush over that, didn't they? <laughs> you know, yeah. why this bear was alive and 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 all the rest of it. But it, like like you say, it was a really good movie and it had a good plot in it. It had good pace. It had really nice evil bad guy in it who was hilarious mm-hmm. um the whole i think you're alone now dance sequence <laughs> no, that comes up in the sequel again <laughs> that's um, one of the better bits of the sequel actually. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but no it's a shame that that's the case because I, I i'd seen this the first trailer wasn't great the second trailer i laughed out loud and i thought yeah this might actually be quite all good. those jokes those are all the best jokes in the film in that kind second trailer that. kind of thought that um flash gordon's back uh which of course it feels like you know he's lost you know he's can't bother to come up with something new, so he just brings back Sam Jones again. Um, yeah, I was disappointed, I have to say, because I do like Seth MacFarlane. I'm a huge Family Guy fan, which, by the way, started again last weekend, if you haven't seen it yet, Phil. Yeah, um, yes, I did, yeah. I did every cut. Sunday night, BBC I, Two, 10 o'clock. I actually caught, um, the one, I caught the one that they did, the crossover with The Simpsons. Simpsons crossover. And yeah. I thought that was really well done. Yeah, really clever. Very clever. And, you know, you, you hear these things, and you think, oh, this is just going to be an absolute disaster, because it will all be all self-referencing and all the rest of it. Actually, they did a really good job with it. Really good job. Yeah. Um, I like Seth Fun. I like Family Guy. I even like you know, American Dad and Cleveland Show. Enjoyed Ted immensely. Didn't even, I mean, didn't dislike Mean Days in the White, Mean Ways to Die in the West that much. But Ted 2 disappointed me hugely. And, and Sharuna's score of uh, 5 out of 10, probably about right. Would you invest in uh, A Million Ways to Die in the West if it came out as an HDR Blu-ray? No. <laughs> What about an Atmos? I have, I have got the Blu-ray. Atmos? buy it if it gives it Atmos because you bought all the other ones? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, if it had Atmos and it was 4K and it was HDR. <laughs> it was oh, the, most, the, the shiniest turd in the known universe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right, well, I've got to say, the film opening this Friday, um, I'm sick of superhero and fantasy movies. Ant-Man, is there any need for this? Well, um... You, you could say is there any need for any film <laughs> as long as it's I mean well made and entertaining I have no problem with that well, I don't no, know much about the Ant-Man it's character just, it, it Surely just seems to be everything seems like the I, I would the suggest the, the Japanese superhero rape man may be the worst one in the <laughs> so, <laughs> I've not heard of him before yeah and that's not I'm not making that up but that's I'll not even a joke <laughs> uh, look, I, up to this point I think Marvel have done a fantastic job building their cinematic universe they've made some really really good movies I thoroughly enjoyed Captain America last year I thoroughly enjoyed uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, uh, and I thought that um, Avengers: Age of Ultron was really good too. So, I trust them enough to go and see it on Friday or this weekend at least, um, and then hopefully, in seeing the trailers, it looks like it might be quite good. There's been a trouble production because obviously Edgar Wright worked on it for years, and then jumped ship because he was getting sick of the way they were trying to shoehorn in various cinematic universe elements to tie it all in with the other films. 
But until I've seen it, I will hold judgment. But I'm quite looking forward to it. As long as it's entertaining and fun, I don't have an issue with it. I will say that another potential saving grace, I do quite like Paul Rudd. Yes, and that too. Got a good cast, actually. Yeah, but Ed, Ed, it's going to be at least three to four years before you see this, isn't it? <laughs> oh God, I'm not going anywhere near. It, it could be, it could literally be, be life changing, and I won't be going anywhere near the cinema this weekend. But um, you know, that's by the by. Um, you know, I'm not. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm out of this particular game. But I was simply remarking that Paul Rudd is, you know, he's quite like a likable bloke. Um, I think a lot of people think that Ant Man might be the first Marvel failure. We'll see. I mean, people people said that about Guys of the Galaxy, as well, yeah. and that was a huge hit. So yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. I, I, you know, hands up. Really I, good fun. I thoroughly enjoyed that. I did. Yeah. I really did. I mean, a talking tree. Come on, yeah. a, a talking raccoon. No one, I think, at the time, unless they were fans of the comic, was particularly interested in that. But uh, I yeah. think Marvel I, showed I, everyone I they think, could do a really good job. Yeah, I think it was aimed. It, it was done properly, characterization wise. There was a good, good amount of humor in there. A charming um, leading man in Chris Pratt. Yeah, so it, it was everything like that, that the prequels should have been. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> we'll, I guess we'll come back to that in a minute. Yeah, right. Okay, um, so we're uh, Blu-ray roundup. Um, X-Men: Days of Future Past, the Rouge cut. <laughs> the Rouge cut. Yeah, that's uh, already up, isn't it? Um, basically, uh, when they made X-Men: Days of Future Past, uh, it was a bit long, about twenty minutes too long. They had a whole subplot involving the character of Rogue. Um, it was cut out for the theatrical release. Now they've put it back in, um, so the film is seventeen minutes longer than the theatrical cut. Um, re-released it on Blu-ray. The original Blu-ray release um, had the film theatrical cut in 2D and in 3D and very few extras, which everyone moaned about at the time, but everyone knew this was coming a year later. So now it's come out. So you've got a whole load of extras, got both the theatrical cut and the extended cut. No 3D version, which is a little bit annoying and more annoying, perhaps they didn't even bother doing an Atmos soundtrack. And I know this film was done in Atmos originally and it would have been nice if they'd done that perhaps oh, to make boo. double dip less painful. But there are a load of extras on this disc. So uh, they'll print it out again. They'll print it out again in another six months with Atmos, Steve. Or DTSX, depending on what what um, Fox do <laughs> regarding. <laughs> yeah, probably. Um, I'm going to pick it up, I think, because uh, I did like the film and I would like to see the longer cut, and I like to have all the extras. But um, I guess if you if you're a fan of the movie, you'll probably get it. If you if you're not, if you've already if you haven't got the disc already, it's probably worth picking up because you get both versions anyway and a load of extras. So, uh, and it looks and sounds stunning, and it was a good movie. I really enjoyed Days of Days of Future Past. And Kazzy's review is on the site now. It is. Right, so it was Comic-Con last week. Um, one of these events that I've always wanted to go to and never managed to uh, weasel... Was it, now, was it last week or was it... Week? Yeah, it was. It was last yeah, week. It was last, it's yeah. just, just, just yeah. finished. Yeah. 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 So, I'm, you know, too hot, Steve. I'd, I don't know where I am in the week. Anyway, <laughs> um, so I guess the movie that took over almost the entire convention was Star Wars. Um I guess that had to be expected, really, um, with it being so close to releasing now. When is it? December the... Yeah, December the 18th. 18th. Um, can't come... Yeah, 18th. Yeah. yeah, can't come quick enough for me, as far as I'm concerned. Um, right, so there was also mention of a new standalone Han Solo movie. Um, Got to say, I, 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 I was hoping that this is going to be the case and that it's, it's a movie about him and Boba Fett. Could be. No one knows. I mean, there were a lot of rumours about it being a bounty hunter movie. I guess they could still be in there, of course. Um, it's going to very much depend well, on a lot of factors, but it's being written, I believe, by um, uh, Lawrence Kasdan and his son, John Kasdan, and it's being directed by uh, Chris Miller and Phil Lord, who are on a massive role right now after um, um, 21 Jump Street, 22 Jump Street and the Lego movie. So they can do, they've proved they can do comedy, 
whether they can do sci-fi adventure slash comedy, I don't know. It's going to really depend on the actor they choose to play um, Han Solo because you've got to get someone who's got the charisma of a young Harrison Ford and that's not going to be easy to find. He's got to be a rogue. He's got to be a right yeah. scoundrel. Yeah. He's got, got to shoot first. Yeah. He also can't be... That, I mean, how, how young are they talking? This is another... Intro, uh, or do, well, Harrison Ford was in his early 30s when he did Star Wars. So yeah. they could do in their 20s. Yeah. Um, you're not looking for yeah, an irritating I, teenager. That's no, I don't bad. think they're going to go that back. I mean, they're talking about sort of, you know, in his 20s. Because the idea of these anthology movies is they're kind of set in that period between um, oh, start episode three and episode four. Basically, that's kind of the, the area they seem to be, because they've got Rogue One, Rouge One, coming out. And that's going to be set just before <laughs> Star Wars, uh, involving them stealing the plans of the Death Star. So uh, I guess him running around, we could, you could get Jabba, Hutt, Jabba the Hutt in there. You could get um, Lando. Chewbacca, Lando could be in there, young Lando. Boba Fett could be in there. So it could, it's got tons of potential. It's going to really depend on who they cast as uh, Han Solo. I'd love, love to see the the uh, poker game where he wins a falcon <laughs> and he does the castle running. <laughs> yeah, I do that less than 12 parsecs. Oh, six. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but this is what we said about the prequels as well and look what happened there. Yeah, yeah, but well, we can talk about the next thing if you like then, Phil, because my, my views on The Force Awakens have changed significantly over the last two years as I've seen more and more footage and behind-the-scenes uh, footage. And, and, and you know what? I'm, I'm suddenly very scared again. After seeing that, and well, because your hopes are getting up now. Uh, yeah, it's a new hope, and 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 I, and I don't know why, but <laughs> boom touch. It yeah, it's getting to the point where I'm like, yeah, yeah, uh, this looks all cool, but but so did the, the double lightsaber in in the trailer, and so did you know, <laughs> you know Phantom Menace, the trailer, the anticipation, the build up, and it's starting to feel very much like that at the minute. What I liked about that uh, that latest behind the scenes one was just the emphasis on the practical effects and the set building. I know we've known this all along, but it just it just looks so good. It just it felt like right. a massive two fingers to Lucas, didn't it? Really, like yeah. we're using real bit. sets, real people, real prosthetics, shooting yeah. on film. Yeah. Uh, oh, <laughs> Screw I'll, you, Lucas. I'll tell you what. What um, genuinely gave me a lump in the throat was uh, when Harrison Ford and Carrie Fisher sat down in the pilot seat. Yeah. And he got the shot from behind as they sat down mm-hmm. with JJ at the front, and I just thought, oh, it's almost like a welcome home or we're home moment. You know what I mean? From yeah. the from the teaser. Um, and I've got to say, Carrie scrubbed up well in, in the shots that's all. So she's um, lost a bit of weight. It's good. Mm. Yeah, she's got the shape for it. Um, yeah, no. Um, my, I mean, my anticipation was high <laughs> already, in fairness. Got a little bit higher. Uh, I'm. Dreading like you, I'm dreading. I don't want to get too, you know, too enthused because I might get stung again. But uh, I got a feeling we're going to have an enjoyable Christmas with this. And um, you know, people are already talking about after the success of Jurassic World. You know, it's called one and a half billion so far. Um, you know, we could be looking at two billion. Well, for this I'll, I'll take you back to the beginning of the year. One of the podcasts, by the way, I can't remember which podcast it was, and, and I think I was the only one that said that I thought Star Wars was going to be the biggest earner of the year because I think mm. everybody else was kind of Marvel-oriented. Yeah, well, no one saw Fast and the Furious 7 doing so well. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Um, but I, I, Jurassic I, World, for that matter. I still think Star Wars will be the one that knocks it out of the park. I think it'll be the biggest earner because you just have to look at, at, at the coverage it's had so far. I mean, what other films have actually made the national news? Um, mm. You know, because the trailer's been released. Uh, there's a huge momentum behind Star Wars, and I get. I think this is why I'm getting scared at the minute as well. Is because, you know, there's a lot to lose on this. There's a lot riding on it, and there's a lot to lose. And and 
you know, the more and more they say, well, we're using practical effects, and we're using this, you still have to nail the story, it still has to be exciting, yeah. and it still has to be Star Wars. True, but I think Disney know that. I mean, they're pegging an awful lot on this film because this film isn't just this one film, right? They've got um, uh, Rogue One coming out the following year. The year after that, it's episode eight. The year after that, it's the Han Solo movie. The year after that, it's going to be episode nine. So there's five movies here, not just the one. And, and you're right, if they screw up the first, it buggers up everything else. So that I'm sure they're going to be putting everything but the kitchen and probably everything and the kitchen sink into into this movie to make sure it's um, it delivers to uh, on every level. And I noticed in that back in the actual press conference, I don't know if you watched the press conference itself, but um, you know, Kathleen Kennedy was constantly saying that we're, this is for the fans and we're making this for the fans. We're making this, we're giving people what they want. And um, that's the, so right up to this point, nothing they've said worries me. I think everything they've said all that, the that, right. That's things, why so. he's worrying me. That yeah, is but why Lucas it's wasn't doing me. that, was it? Back in the day, Lucas was just you know, doing what he wanted to do, and if you didn't like it, well, tough shit. Yeah, well, yeah, but the, no the, one liked it. But the thing <laughs> is, you kind of keep everybody happy, and this, this is this is why I'm worrying because <laughs> if they're, if they're going to try and keep everybody happy and on side, then I can't see how they're going to make a. I, I can't see how they're going to make it work. They, ha they have to go a certain route with it. Well. Um... If you look at the Marvel movies, I mean, they've done a pretty good job of A, making a lot of money and B, keeping fans of the comics happy, but also people that are just casual filmgoers happy and hitting a broad demographic by having things that have a, a bit of fun, a bit of a laugh, but not uh, can also go quite serious and have adult things and good actors in there. It, it can be done. It definitely can be done. You just have to balance. Look at Star Wars. Star Wars, the original Star Wars, wasn't really a kid. It appealed to kids. I mean, God knows I was 10 and it was the best thing I'd ever seen in my entire life. But it also appealed to adults. It crossed a generational gap. Um, because it had cutesy things like R2, but it also had scary things like Darth Vader in it, and it had you know fun and excitement and funny lines, and it was enjoyable and a really good casting. Again, casting is key. Uh, you know how cool was Han Solo when he blew away Greedo and said sorry about the mess? It's the coolest thing I'd ever seen in my entire life at that point. I wanted it, it, to be it was, so badly. It was the walk up to the bar afterwards. It, yeah, it was and that, threw the money it, at the bar. It was the way he sauntered up and threw the money and then sauntered sorry off. Sorry about if, the mess. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, coolest thing I'd ever seen in my entire life. I wanted to be him so badly. Uh, and and if you can do that kind of thing um, this time round, then great. We'll see. We'll see in December. But I'm not overly concerned right now in the way that I was um, two years ago. I, I know he, he did a lot for the Star Trek. Re rebirth but again yeah. at the same time though the, there's just something about those movies that don't quite sit well it's because he's he's making a star wars movie with a star trek cast isn't he that's the problem it doesn't it's not a star trek movie in, in a sense that they were much more about you know philosophical questions and plot based and less about the action whereas his are very much action driven and it, it always felt more like a Star Wars film in that mm, sense. Yeah. Um, damn sight more fun than the prequels were. Um, but yeah, they also had problems with structure and, and plotting. But they were trying to have their cake and eat it in the second film. They, they hadn't earned their... Exactly. I mean, you had the whole TV series from the 60s. You had uh, the big uh, film of the late 70s before you got to Ratha Khan. And, and it was bringing back a character from the TV series that, that people knew. Mm. And... He had license at that point to do what what happened in Rathic Can't, um, what JJ tried to do with the the reboot. You didn't have long enough with the characters. You hadn't no, not at all. You didn't know much, that much about them. So when when you had that scene came up, it didn't have the same emotional impact. That yeah, I, I was. Well, but this is different because here we're talking about a sequel to to Jedi. We've got the same original cast. We've got all that built up love and story, maybe not so much for the prequels, but certainly for the original trilogy. So I think JJ's got more to play with here. And it's a, it's a universe that he loves and he knows. And um, it's, it's what he, you know, 
I can't believe he even didn't want to do it at first because I mean, you think, you know, you would crawl across broken glass. Yeah, that, no, that was just to secure the paycheck one. <laughs> <laughs> Not that, I'd pay them to let me make the Star Wars movie. <laughs> yeah, but it'd be shit. Yeah, <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> uh, well, I don't really want to talk about the next bit because, again, we're back to bloody comic book heroes and superheroes and I'm sick of the whole that. Think of something original. Well, I've, I've got to say that uh, ever since they announced Batman vs Superman, Dawn of Justice, I was like, oh, God. You know, first of all, I didn't think Man of Steel was very good. Uh, they're bringing back Batman, which sounds a bit desperate so soon after The Dark Knight Rises. And they're trying desperately to do to mirror the success of Marvel by having their you know, universe and bringing all their characters in. And I, for one, find it difficult to have Batman which is very much a human being, a guy in a suit, you know, uh, uh, just a guy using technology and money to fight crime. And Superman, who is effectively a god, and having them in the same universe doesn't make a lot of sense to me. And they've also got Wonder Woman in there and Aquaman, who again are all very much fantastic people as opposed to grounded in reality Batman. So that can't... But having seen the trailer, I thought, oh, that looks quite good. Partly because they've actually taken the fact that the, the massive destruction that Superman causes in Man of Steel is a major plot point in this, where Batman's kind of pissed at him for, for uh, well, destroying half of, of uh, Metropolis. Um, so I'm, I'm a bit more interested now than I was before. And it's obviously got large chunks of the Dark Knight Returns Frank Miller's comic in it as well, which is, is good. Um, so that, for me, it's, I've had a bit of a turnaround for going from being very, um, you know, uninterested in this film to being quite looking forward to it now so i guess in that sense the trailer worked i think you're i think you're the only one i, I just as I say, superman is is intrinsically dull yeah um and as i say i'm disappointed to see that uh, ben affleck is not not sporting his argo beard um in, i thought affleck looked really good though with a little bit of gray in there he looked like a brooding older batman i thought he looked really good and he's going to be directing a batman so writing and directing a batman solo movie as well after this um, which I mean, he's become quite a good director. So again, that's given me some hope. And Suicide Squad looks really interesting. I mean, the trailer isn't actually online properly, but you can see people with their camcorders, you know, the phone footage from the Comic Con presentation. And again, you've got um, um, Jared Leto playing the Joker in it, a very different version of Joker to the two we've seen previously. Um, and a really interesting cast, including Will Smith. He's, you know, good to see him back again. Um, and... That looks quite like it might be quite good fun. The only thing, I've, my big complaint is looking at the trailer for Batman versus Superman is it looks very po-faced and moody and dark and serious. I mean, can we not have a bit of levity in there occasionally? Because at least the Marvel comics do, you know, movies do a bit of serious, bit of fun, keep it entertaining. This is all kind of a bit po-faced. Nothing ever gets better because you take it seriously. <laughs> no, quite. <laughs> but yeah, certainly DC are... are, are pumping a ton of money into trying to emulate the success of the Right, can, can we move on to Sherlock? Because this one's got me absolutely baffled. Uh, I, I watched the trailer mm -hmm. for the period thing, and yeah. I'm just thinking, oh my God, this is going to suck big style. Could be Jump the Shark moment, couldn't it? Yeah, just a bit. I'm not quite sure how they're going to work this out. So they're just doing a one-off special where they're playing them as they were written, um, you know, in the period they were written rather than being modern day. But the whole point of the show is it's a modern take on it, isn't it? Exactly. The whole point is that it, it, it moves, it's slick, it's it's using modern day technology and, and he's using that to help him solve the problems that he has to solve. And um, they make a, a big thing about him being, um, oh, what's the what's the illness I'm thinking of? Um, autistic. Autistic. Um, Asperger's syndrome, I think is what it's called. Asperger's, that's the one. Um, 
and and make making the big point about that you know that's why he doesn't get along with people and and so on and then you had the relationship with the brother and Moriarty was coming back and, and it's all starting to get really really interesting and then they're gonna go away and do this thing and it's like why I, I just yeah. I, don't, I don't get it mm. not, not do I actually I was very surprised I wondered why they were filming in Bath um, back in the um, few months ago, I was thinking, well, why are they filming in Bath? But now, if it's period, that makes sense because it's easy to shoot in Bath and do period stuff. Um, but yeah, it's a very strange choice because obviously the whole appeal of this is is the modern edge, the modern angle. Um, I mean, what, what's, what's, you gonna, what's he going to do for his iPhone and, and the little bubbles mm. popping up on screen? And well, they also, they, I saw them <laughs> at, at the convention, they were saying they got a big problem because they realised that in the books, as written, there's very few female characters and hardly any of them got any lines in dialogue and then the most of the female characters apart from mrs hudson in their version the modern version were made up by them to give a female angle to things so they've got to find some way of getting around that problem for a start but, yeah and yeah. In, in the original books there's a lot of ejaculation <laughs> because that that's the terminology that's used in in the novels it was one of these things that were picked up on qi um, there was also a bbc trailer for the new season doctor who which uh if anybody watched it but right at the very end there was um Maisie, can't remember her surname now, the girl that plays Arya in, in Game of Thrones. Maisie um, Williams. Maisie Williams, thank you, yes. She turns up. Uh, and I got the, I mean, it's very vague, but I think she might be playing his granddaughter, who was in the original original series way back in the 60s. Because um, she says, I, good, um, where have you, you took your time or something like that, and she's good to see you, old man. It sounds like um, they knew each other already, and maybe that was the angle they're going for. So that was interesting. I think Paul is coming into the role now. Really, uh, see, I, I tried. It. I tried very hard, but I, I just can't get along with it with the storylines. Because I, I did try um, to get into it again, but it, it's just something about the way that they tell the stories, and and maybe it's his writing. Them, um, what do you call them? It's Moffat's writing. Moffat. Moffat has a really bad habit of like piling in loads of ideas, and then getting out of it with some Deus Ex Machina yeah, right there. I, the end. I think I, I got to the one where he was inside the Dalek, and I yeah. gave up at that point. It's like, oh. I can't be doing this. Uh, so is that Comic Con, Steve? That's Comic Con, yes. Um, right, well, sadly, that's it for the AV Forums podcast this week. Thanks very much for listening. Um, if you have any thoughts on the trailers, on the behind-the-scenes video for the Star Wars or that Batman and Superman thingy mobber, um, or anything else that we have discussed in this week's podcast, then please uh, put your questions or your comments under the podcast in the podcast forum at avforums.com. And my thanks to Steve Withers. Let's face it, this is not the worst thing you've caught me doing. Mark Hutchinson. My turn. And Ed Selly. Well, I'm sorry. I'm not Tony Stark. Don't forget, you can follow us on Twitter and Facebook. Bookmark AV Forums for the latest reviews, news and video. And why not leave us a, a rating on iTunes, Mark, because... Moral it's obligation. the morally correct thing to do. Seven stars, if you can. If not, five will do. Okay. But it has to be five, yeah? M- minimum. Okay. I'm Phil Thanks very much for listening, and we'll see you again next Wednesday.